0: She had been hanging around for days. I could feel her eyes on me, like an itch at the back of my neck. If I turned around quickly, I'd catch a glimpse of her. The tip of a shoe, the corner of a scarf, a shadow disappearing around the corner. One day, when the class was resetting the alphabet, I heard a voice from behind the tent, chanting along softly. Finally, I sent one of the pupils to talk to her. The next day, there she was, waiting for me when the class had finished. She told me she was 14 years old and lived outside the camp with her mother and brothers. I asked her if she'd ever been to school before. (laughs) She told me, of course she'd been to school. She said she had the best teacher in the world, an important man, the headmaster of the school and the smartest man in the village. People came to him for advice, she told me. He was respected. I asked her what advice he gave.
1: He said that everyone should get an education and that if you worked hard enough, you could do anything and go anywhere.
0: He sounds like a good man.
1: He was a great man. He was my father.
0: She kept coming back. After school had finished, she'd appear outside the tent. We talked for a while. And over several days, I came to hear her story.
1: All four of us went to school. And even though I'm the only girl, my father didn't treat me differently from my brothers. Or he always said I was just as smart as them. Smarter even. <laughs> my father loved telling us stories. You know, he would read to us every night. He told me I could be a teacher one day. Or a doctor. He said I should finish school before I became a wife or a mother. Learn now, marry later, he will say. I loved going to school. I wanted to learn everything. But my favorite bit was helping my father get ready for class. We get to school early before anyone else arrives. Just as the sun was coming up, I sweep the floor while he got out the books. And I remember making the dust jump and sparkle in the sunlight as I worked with the broom. My mother though, she worried all the time about everything. Even before there was a reason to worry. She says it was dangerous for me to go to school. What if they found out? My father said they could never take away our education. No matter what they did.
0: Do you know what she meant by that?
1: I didn't then. And now? Yes. Now I know.
0: I left the conversation there. I could guess the rest. I was a teacher too back in my village before I came to the camp. And I knew the risks. The insurgents were active all over the state. And they were targeting teachers and schools. Those who taught English, taught girls. Anyone who taught an education that was not based on their own fundamentalist views. It was five o'clock in the morning when a neighbor threw herself at our door, risking everything to warn me. The gunmen were in our village, going from door to door looking for the teacher. Looking for me. She told me to leave my family and go. There was no time to take them with me, and they would be safer with me gone. I pulled my children into my arms one last time before my wife pushed me out of the door, my cheek damp with her tears. Then I ran, and when I couldn't run anymore, I hid. For three days, I ran and hid. I had no time to take food or water, and soon running became walking, and walking became stumbling. Finally, I came to a town, but when I walked down the street, all I saw were dead bodies, all men, every single one, and only women and children, gone. When I finally reached the capital, I was almost mad with fear. I don't mind admitting it. When a family offered me food and water, I was too scared to eat. That was a year ago. My family came to join me soon after I escaped. And then I heard about this camp, and I was given the chance to teach again. We are all displaced here. Some children have never been to school. Others have forgotten everything they once knew. At least here, in the camp, it is safe. One morning when I arrived early before school started, Samira was there waiting for me. Without a word, she started to help me get ready for class. And she's done it every day since. She sweeps the floor while I set up the chairs. And all the time, she tells me off. Not like that, teacher. My father did it this way. Teacher, no. Here, like this. But she would never stay and join the class. Most of the children have lost someone. Many of them have lost everyone. I knew Samira was no different. And eventually she told me about it.
1: We didn't get a chance to hide. It was the middle of the night when we heard them outside our house. They broke down the door and grabbed him. They were shouting pushing him. They called him infidel. They said it was forbidden for girls to be educated. They said God wanted to punish him and then they pushed him to the floor and pointed their guns at his head. One of them stood back. He, he learned into the corner of the room as if to make himself disappear. He was smaller than the others, hardly bigger than his own gun. I went down on my knees in front of him, begging him to make them stop, to leave my daddy alone. And then I realized he was just a child. Not much older than me. I grabbed him by his shoulders and started shaking him, screaming at him to make them stop. He couldn't even look me in the eye. And while I was on my knees, in front of that boy, I heard a gun go off. and move shots, as if to make sure. They killed my daddy that night, right outside our house. And then they left. We ran to him, clung to him crying. My mother was crying too, but she told us we must leave. Before they come back, she gathered some of our belongings and we left, leaving our father lying there. All through that night, as we ran through the bush, I heard the words of a gunman echoing in my head. It is forbidden to teach girls, you must be punished. And I knew, without any doubt, that it was my fault they killed my father. And when we arrived at the next settlement, we saw government soldiers. I should have felt safe, but I was sure I'd be arrested. I held out my hands, waiting for them to take me away. But they ignored me and let me pass. How could they not see what I'd done?
0: This whole generation will carry scars. I just hope to God they will grow up to do better than we did. I looked at this serious girl who carried such a weight on her young shoulders. You didn't kill him, Samira. You didn't fire the gun. It was not your fault.
1: Oh, I know that now.
0: I remember she gave me a sympathetic smile, as if forgiving me for my ignorance. And off she went. The next morning, when the children arrived, Samira stayed. She took a seat in the front row as if it was the most natural thing in the world. Delighted, I smiled at her. But she gave me a cross look, so I kept quiet and we began. She's a wonderful student. Smart, hardworking, utterly focused. Nothing distracts her. The tent could blow down and she'd carry on working. If I didn't send her home, she'd stay all night. But it was strange. In some areas, she was way ahead for her age, in others, far behind. One morning, as she berated me yet again for not arranging the church properly, I learned the reason why.
1: After we left our home, we moved in with our grandparents. I hated it there. I had to share a room with my mother and all of my brothers. My grandmother fussed all the time. she was always cooking, and the house stank of smoke and oil. There were no books. No stories. She didn't want us to go to school. She didn't want us to go out. I think she'd have been happy if we never left our room. So my mother insisted, she said it was what our father would have wanted, that it was how we honored him. So my brothers went, but I won't go. My mother begged me, think of your father, she would say, what would he want for you? I never said a word in my head I was screaming I never stopped thinking of my father why do you think I don't want to go to school she didn't understand and I couldn't tell her my grandmother wanted me to get married I didn't care anymore maybe that was all I was good for everything that I lived for had been taken away. Everything that I believed in, all of it gone. In the sound of that gunshot, I felt dried up, empty, like the acacia pods that curl up and fall to the ground. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done if it hadn't been for my idiot of a brother. Every day when he came home from school, I had to watch him trying to do his homework, getting everything wrong. Stumbling over his words, oh, it drove me crazy. I wanted to snatch the books off him and hit him over the head with them. I would mark the answers silently to myself at first. And then I started stealing his school books and reading them, just to see if I could still do the work. Sometimes I'd write the answers on the pages just to annoy him. (laughs) But as time went on, the lessons got harder and I didn't know the answers. It made me sad to see my brother learning more than me. I I knew I was getting left behind but I I still couldn't make myself go to school. I I just couldn't.
0: I'm glad I was able to change your mind, Samira.
1: You didn't change my mind. Oh? It was Kalu and his sister. They changed my mind. I saw him one day when I was walking home from the market. There was a group of men hanging around a jeep. As I got closer, I realised they had guns. I kept telling they weren't government soldiers. They called me over. I kept walking with my head down, faster and faster. Then I felt someone grab my arm and and pull me off my feet. He he started dragging me into the bush. I I tried to escape, but he was stronger than me. The other men were laughing encouraging him, telling him to take me, telling him it was time to be a man. He pulled me behind some bushes and put his hand over my mouth so I couldn't scream. I looked into his eyes and my heart stopped beating. It was him, the boy soldier. We stared at each other. Then he let go and fell to his knees sobbing i couldn't understand what he was doing until through the tears i heard him saying again and again i'm sorry i'm sorry forgive me when i heard his story his confession my only thought was to hurt this boy to gather up my pain and throw it at him so that he carried it instead of me he knew my father had gone to my school. He even knew my name. But he come to my house with those men and let them kill him. But then he told me why. Those men had come to his house too. Killed his mother and father. Taking him and his sister. They forced him to fight for them to kill for them and they made him do terrible things and he had to do everything they told him to do for his sister they kept her locked up in a hut and didn't let her out men went into the room every night one after another if he didn't fight for them they would kill her. He told me why they killed my father. That they feared him. They feared all teachers who didn't follow their religious beliefs. And then he let me go and told me to run. So I ran. And as I ran, I tried to make sense of what he told me. They had killed my father because they were scared of what he taught us. My father was trying to give us a chance to improve our lives. Faster and faster I ran, my feet kicking up clouds of dust. This is how he fought these men. This is why he wanted me to learn To give me a chance at a better life A life that these men wanted to take away from me And with every step I felt lighter I flew over that dusty earth And for the first time since the night he was killed I could picture him Not dead on the ground where we left him Standing in front of the class, smiling. I thought of Kalu and his sister. And what he told me changed something. I understood now. I couldn't let this man win. I had to go to school. We had to leave our grandparents quickly after that. It wasn't safe anymore. So we came to the capital. And that's how I ended up here.
0: Samira often talks of her father now. I can't tell he was a good man. A great man, maybe.
1: My father used to say that education is the only thing that cannot be taken from you, no matter how hard people try. Whether you can travel anywhere in the world and people will respect you. My father said that if we go to school, we can become anything we want to be. My little brother comes to school with me too now. And when we get home, we do our homework together. (laughs) He's not so stupid anymore. Now that I'm helping him. (laughs) Every day we learn new things. Recently, we learnt about the acacia tree. When the pods fall to the ground, they don't die. They break open and inside they are full of seeds. I like to wake up early every day. I do my chores and then I run to school to help my teacher get ready for class. I sweep the floor and we arrange the chairs together. And as I watch the dust dance and sparkle in the sunlight, I think of my father. I picture him smiling at me as I take my seat at the front of the class. And I know now he could see me. It would make him happy.
2: Anywhere But Home is a six-episode audio drama brought to you by Save the Children. To meet the people who inspired this story and learn more about the insurgency in parts of Nigeria, go to www.savethechildren.net forward slash anywhere but home. If you'd like to support this podcast and the work of Save the Children, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Anywhere But Home was written and created by Alexia Singh. Directed by Alexia Singh. Produced by Natasha Coleman. Sound design, editing, and music by Nikki French. Casting by Merrill and Leslie. Script editing by Ben Lambert. Recorded at One Louder Studios. The teacher was played by Richard Peppel and Samira was played by Rhoda Aforeata.